Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to the Clean Comedy Podcast. Featuring James Creviston and Luke LaCoy. Yeah, we're about to get clean up in here. So clean your mouth out with a bar of soap and get ready for the Clean Comedy Hey everybody, this is James from the Clean Comedy Podcast. This episode is sponsored by Comedypreneur.com. Comedypreneur.com is a free resource for comedians, comedy writers, comedy filmmakers, podcasters, and comedy lovers to learn the ins and outs of the comedy profession. Comedypreneur is your one-stop shop to turn your funny into money. This episode of the Clean Comedy Podcast is brought to you by How to Produce Comedy Shows for Fun and Profit. Now on sale on Amazon and anywhere you buy ebooks. Hey guys, it's Luke LaCoy. Uh, this episode is a little bit different. It's a crossover episode from the Comedy Preneur Show. And the full episode is also available on uh, comedypreneur.com and their YouTube channel, where you can actually see the video, uh, the live video with people and actual talking heads uh, from this video online. On James's YouTube for the Comedypreneur. So if you're interested in checking that out, get on YouTube, look up Comedypreneur, and this video is available there. So here's the audio from that talk where James talks with some comedy agents and finds out how to get one, who needs one, and everything else comedy agent related. See ya. Hey, everybody. It's James. This is the Comedypreneur Show, and today we're going to have two special guests for you we have jared mcfadden and jess mosby who are agents for comedians and that's a great thing because a lot of us have questions about how do you get an agent what does an agent do you know those kind of questions like that are big things that we're always trying to figure out big things that we always want to know and um it's one of those things where it's really really um difficult or or hard to figure out how do you get an agent? What is, what is it all about? And do you need one, right? A lot of comedians are wondering, do I need an agent? Should I be trying to find an agent? It's the same question that a lot of writers have. So doing writing and doing comedy, both of those things, they come up all the time. So let's do the intro and get to the show. welcome uh jess mosby and jared mcfadden thank you guys so much for being on the show wow. hey guys thanks for having us yeah, yeah thanks we're excited to chat all right awesome so i kind of have a lot of questions and these are a lot of questions that a lot of comedians have so i'm gonna ask you guys these questions and just kind of give me the information because this is uh this is one of those things where there's not a really a lot of information for comedians out there actually can you guys tell tell us more about yourselves and what you guys actually do as agents maybe that'll answer some questions right away too yeah. So, I mean, I got my start. I started working um, in the agency world primarily in music. 
um, used to book Sugar Ray and Brian Adams and Richard Marks. And then I acquired a large hip hop roster. So not what you would think of comedy wise. Um, and so I had worked at a couple different agencies that just weren't the right environment for me. I've always seen myself as a leader. And then um, Al McCree is kind of like this undiscovered gym in the comedy world. And so, um, you know, I connected with him, got a job, and we wanted to, along with our music roster, launch a comedy roster. Um, and so he had huge success, you know, being a manager for Jeannie Robertson, and we were able through that to find a lot of really special comedians, especially clean comedians, which people often forget that there's an audience for clean comedy as well. Um, and then throughout, like, the growing pains of, you know, building a comedy roster, we were able to bring Jared in who seriously has like the best ear for comedy and like the best advice for that so that's a little bit about me I'll let Jared tell a little bit about him and then uh, we're happy to answer any questions that you have awesome Jared yes mine actually comes from I come from more of a, a beauty background for the past few years I was a makeup artist um, and while it was a really great business I loved it I wasn't getting a lot of work in it so I had a lot of free time and so one day I mean I just she was literally a one-woman show you know with the company and you know, she reached out and, you know, she needed a little bit of help and I was, you know, doing some research projects for her, like little things here and there. And one day I told her, I said, Jess, I love this. Like, this is really fun. I love what you do. You know, I want to know more about it. And so, you know, a few months passed by, she said, you know, let's get you a little bit, you know, um, bigger projects and, you know, get, you know, the company a little bit better. And so in January, they hired me on and uh, here awesome. we are now. <laughs> yes, that's awesome. Those are always thank good things you. where you take something that you, you're passionate about and you turn that into a, into a career, to a profession. So, um, Here's the questions we're gonna start with. What does a comedian, when does a comedian start to look for an agent? When should they start looking? I mean, obviously probably not at the open mic level, but when, when should they start looking? I think that's a really good question. I think for me, I always like to take a look at comedians who I always pay attention to social media numbers. Um, so I would say like once you kind of reach a plateau, but I'd say like around 5,000 mark is usually like, okay, we can probably build on this, whether it's 5,000 likes on Facebook or Instagram followers, that's just a good number because you know that they're probably not just like location specific. You're probably reaching a wider fan base because um, it's really important that you have the fan base first. Um, I would say if you have like some hard touring history, like if you are doing a lot of open mics, if you're getting gigs at comedy clubs like Zanies and stuff who don't just take anyone, um, you know, Zanies, like Improvs, Laugh Factories, Comedy Off-Broadway in Lexington. If you've had some history playing there, like I'm pretty interested in seeing, okay, hey, there might be something here that we can transition to, you know, like a live theater show. We might be able to package you with some people. So I really like to take a look at social media and tour history um, before, you know, wanting to take that initial conversation. Mm -hmm. Now, does that, when you say social media, what if a comedian doesn't do social media? Like, I'm super not social media guy. Like, I got rid of Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff. I kind of went, I have my own website. I do my own stuff. I have, you know, thousands of downloads of my podcast or whatever, and I have a pretty good following. Does that, is that going to matter instead of a guy who doesn't want to have so, or, you know. Sure. And I, I kind of count podcasting and uh, website. I kind of include that in social media as well, because we've seen a lot of really great comedians start off with the podcast and now all of a sudden they're doing live podcast shows which I think is I think that's a really great live show to bring to people it's something unique and something different so I do I do pay attention to a lot of comedy podcasts and stuff like that too I kind of lump that in with social media I like to see how many listeners are out there and then you just kind of do your background 
we do a lot of investigative work um, on anyone that we're considering just to make sure that they're a good fit because the worst thing that can happen is is you get someone who you think is really great and the fan base just isn't there like we can't if we can't sell tickets if we can't you know connect to an audience somehow it's going to be a lose-lose situation for us both Gotcha. Now, yeah, also to piggyback off of Jess a little bit too, yeah. when she said, you know, to have your materials together, your hard tour history, um, promotional materials also, it's because, you know, when you're starting off and you're just getting an agent, usually our buyers aren't booking the actual comedian. They are booking what we're sending them. They're booking the video clips. They're booking the tour history. They're booking, you know, their followers, basically. Gotcha. Okay, perfect. And do you guys do management as well, or is it just, are you just agents? And how does that work? What's the difference between the two? So um, our company is really cool. I like to describe our company as a one-stop shop for all of your artist needs. So we have, um, we have a major site in digital distribution, which focuses on um, Spotify, YouTube, you know, just digital content in general. We have a promotion side where we really, that's where we do a lot of co-production shows and we can go into a little bit more about what a co-pro show is. Um, and then we do have, we have management and we have booking, which obviously I run the booking department. Um, but our management is kind of where the bread and butter got started. Al really started managing Jeannie Robertson's career and not all of our comedians that we manage, but we do have um, three additional management clients that we also are the booking agent for. And so there is a difference between the management and the booking side. Um, management is really focusing on creating, creating that social media following, creating opportunities for you to get your press, get your media, get people talking about you. Kind of, we like to describe it as gaining that celebrity for you and making sure you know where you're supposed to be. Management handles a lot of private engagements where we handle a lot of public shows. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the big difference, but they definitely go hand in hand. Now, does that, do you guys just do basically, so what if a comedian wants to also be like a comedy writer or a TV person or whatever? Do you guys work in the lit world as well? Or is it just strictly... Um, those kind of stand-up engagements or, or show live show engagements? I'd say a little bit of both. Um, you know, obviously with Jeannie Robertson, that's much more of a management um, situation where we, we do like to chase after the Netflix specials. We do like to chase after like any live TV opportunity. Um, if anyone's looking for, you know, a comedy writer, but right now most of our roster pretty much wants to do like the live stand-up show. And then after they've kind of acquired their celebrity from that. I think a few of them want to transition into the, the writing world, um, which, you know, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it, but we're always chasing, like, I've had a couple of meetings with some people from Netflix about a couple of really cool specials that we could do. Um, so yeah, we chase after that stuff too. Really any opportunity that's going to get people excited, going to get people to pay attention, we're on it in all forms. <laughs> awesome. So what's the best way to get you guys attention besides social media is like, do, do people send you a tape or, or a, a link or whatever, or do they, you know, get invited out to shows? Like how do you find, find that new talent that you're looking for? Uh, usually. So something that we've had over the last couple of years, Jeannie Robertson had this humor competition where people entered the humor competition and through that we were able to find, you know, some really great people through that. We found Mike Paramore. We found a couple of really good people from that. Um, so there was that. I love when people send me invites to shows, especially because, you know, I don't like paying for tickets these days. So <laughs> I, <laughs> I love going to free shows. So if anyone invites me to their show, I, I really do like to see someone live. I think that live is so much different than like a reel that you get sent to you. So I think for me, 
the best way to capture my attention is say, hey, Jess, you know, like, checked out your roster, like, would love to, like, you know, have a conversation with you. I'm playing at this show this night. Would love for you to come out. Um, and then, because I want to see how I pay more attention to your delivery if you're awkward on stage. Pay attention to who is in the crowd and what they're responding to. And if there's, like, a good energy between you and the crowd, chances are I'm going to say, hey, let's have coffee or dinner. Got you. Perfect. Does, does having that packet or the video help as well? So if you, I invite you to a show, but I also have a packet or I have a lot of videos or a lot of engagement all, you know, on all my videos, is that a good thing as well? I think so. I think that it's really, I think that having some sort of video, video is really great because you get to just, you get to hear your material a little bit. So it kind of prefaces you for the show that you're going to go to. Um, I also, like, for example, Jeannie Robertson, how she gained her success, like, she went viral. And so I think that if you have something that goes viral, something that's like, hey, this is attention, like, this is worth you coming to my show. Um, so, yeah, I do think that that part's important, too. I just think that before I can consider booking you, like, no matter how strong your video is, I'm going to want to see you live first. I yes. think Jared would agree yeah, with that. I, yeah, absolutely. I'd, I'd rather see you live. And I'm a very social person anyway, so I love going to shows. I love getting invited. Um, I'm also a very hard laugh too. So if you can make me laugh, you definitely have my attention. And I love to see audience engagement. Awesome. How well you can capture that audience for me. So if someone reaches out to you guys and they don't hear back, what's the time frame of not hearing back and when should they follow up with you? Like if you guys don't email back in six weeks, should they follow up or what's, what's the time frame look like for that stuff? Um, uh, for me, I think it's a little bit different. I always try to like be mindful of how it feels whenever you know like whenever I was applying for a job or something like that like what I would want to hear back so for me I think it's different I think it's important to give like realistic time frames of being like just acknowledging that you got their email which I always tend to do and just be like hey got your email you know probably super busy for the next like couple weeks or whatever but if you want to circle back with me you know maybe the first of this month I typically like to do it um if you don't hear back from me like in a week or whatever just please don't constantly email me. <laughs> That's yes. a situation. Um, you know, if it's urgent and you're like, this is my like make a wish foundation moment, like put urgent in the subject line, but like, don't, don't like, I think that whenever there's a fine line for artists between being passionate and needy. And if you start to cross the needy line, I'm going to put you in my, unless he's got something really good going on let's just put this on the back burner but i do always try to acknowledge everyone and and be super realistic perfect and what about you jared is there is there a time frame that you like to talk to people yeah usually turnaround time like i haven't gotten back to you give me like a week you know just write me back kind of remind me you know yeah i mean we get busy so i totally understand but yeah there's definitely that fine line of like help me help me help me help me and, and like hey guys what's going on you know there's a big difference there. yeah and i think that that approach is i think that if you can approach it of understanding that we're in the business of part of our salaries include commission so we're in the like we're out there hustling not just for company but for like our livelihood as well and so if we're deep in the thick of stuff you know please just be mindful that like we might not have the capacity to get to you right away, but like, we'll at least acknowledge you. Gotcha. Um, just don't be needy. That's like the biggest thing. <laughs> I feel like I'm a guy like putting myself on an online dating app, like don't be needy. <laughs> if I had a Tinder profile for comedy booking, I would say don't be needy. <laughs> so 
when it comes to that, are there certain things that will make you turn down, automatically turn down a comedian? Like that will just right away say, no, not for us. I mean, besides the clean thing, obviously, which sounds like that's your more of your business, but is there anything specific like that a comedian will do that would just like, you know what, no, we're not even going to look that way. Probably for me, it'd be ego, you know, especially if you don't have that, that celebrity just yet. Um, and you know, you're like, like Jesse, you're being very needy or, you know, you're constantly emailing, you're constantly calling and it's kind of like, Hey, calm down. Like, you know, <laughs> you don't have, you don't have it just yet. Okay. Um, yeah, it's just more so for me, it's just going to be like ego and, you know, like, and also, um, when it comes to actually being live, like how, like I said, you're, inter- you know, you're interacting with your audience, um, how you respond back to them, as long as you're not like rude or anything like that, like, yeah, that's basically it for me. I think, I think. I think for me, like, obviously, I think that ego is a big situation because you always want to, you kind of want to strip your ego away because I think that if you're really trying to do, you know, comedy, you're not really doing it for yourself. You're really trying to make people laugh. And I think that that's the beauty of comedy is especially times that we're in now is people need to laugh. And so I think that if you're too busy thinking about yourself, like you're not really in it for the right reasons. So ego is a big thing for me. Um, Honestly, I also got to say, if you are regurgitating material, um, I mean, I've heard so many people um, do the skit with like where people are pronouncing the names wrong, like A-Ron and all that stuff. I'm just like, that's been done so many times before. Please don't, please don't do that. Like, I really like original material. I like relatable stories. I think that people want something to relate to. I don't want you to get up there and just tell knock-knock jokes. Like, I want you to be able to take like your life experiences, be able to put a humorous twist on it and share that with people. Perfectly. That's awesome. I mean, that's exactly right. There's, you know, you can't be ripping off material. That's, that's just a no, no anyways in in the comedy world. We've seen a lot of people crash and burn because of that. Um, What about advice for comedians coming up? So I'm guessing your roster has probably been doing stand up more than a year, more than probably two years. You're probably looking at the average being like what, five to 10 years, somewhere in that range. Is that right? Yeah, and sometimes we have like some 15 to 20 year vets in there too. Um, I would say know what your routine is and constantly be working for new material. We see it all the time where people have like a solid set and I think that's going to get your foot in the door. But what's going to keep you in the door is if you can constantly be attentive to what's going on in the world and like amenable to like changing like your routine and being okay to do something different. So I think that it's kind of like a one hit wonder, like in music, like you don't just want someone who's just going to sing Mambo number five and want to live off royalties. <laughs> like we're going to want like a little bit more than that. So. Wait, so you're saying that comedians should be writing new material and practicing new material and doing new stuff, not just their same five, 10, 15 minutes forever. I know it's shocking. It is shocking, but yes, absolutely. <laughs> you know, kind of a very obvious thing, you know, the bill, the here's your sign situation from blue collar. That's, pretty much it right there so yeah and I think that's the big thing is there's a lot of comedians who just they think that they have their five or ten minutes locked in that's going to get them work forever and then they're going to and then yeah when they go on the road ah, then I'll work on a routine when I know I'm going to go on the road but really we should be building up material and stuff like that so how often are you looking for new material for them to generate be generating new material because you know building five minutes is not easy it's it's it is a long course for that and same thing for 10 and more like that Yeah. So what I like to do, like whenever we're booking tours, I like to obviously cycle through like one routine. Like we've got, you know, 10 or 15 dates on the books. Go ahead, cycle through there, take like a month or two off, you know, just see what went well with that. See what, cause there are some jokes that are always going to land that are always going to land wherever you do, no matter 
how many times you do them. But I think that once you cycle through like one tour or one special Netflix special, whatever it is, I think that then you got to be like, okay, let me take a couple months off in the summer where people are outside doing things and like, let me get stuff ready for a fall tour. Spring and fall are the biggest times to tour. So if you can have one set in the spring, take the summer, like write, do podcasts, like get yourself out there, experience life a little bit, come back really strong in the fall with a new routine. Obviously you're going to have some of those other um, previous jokes as well. But I always think it's really important that you take that time off a little bit to rest, recover, and, you know, get creative again. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you're definitely going to do a special or album or anything like that, that material, you're not going to want to repeat anyways. I mean, maybe if you do encore at the end of your show or whatever. Now, yeah. I- and I've been to shows before where I have been like, wow, I've heard this five times from you. I'm, I've got up and left before. Cause I'm just like, I can't sit through it again. I know the punchline. I, I, I can't. And that's like the fan in me, not even so much the agent, but it's just the fan in me. Cause I'm like, if I've heard this five times, I can't imagine how many of times these people have heard it before. Yeah, well, my experience is I, I do one uh, one pilgrimage every year to Las Vegas to see Jerry Seinfeld do stand-up. That's like my one big thing that I love to do. I love it more than anything. And he does the same material every single year. And I'm totally okay with it. Jerry Seinfeld. That's <laughs> yeah. it. If, if you're Jerry Seinfeld, you can say the same thing over to me as many times as you want to. But until you're Jerry Seinfeld or Ellen DeGeneres or someone like that, be creative. Yeah. Now, what's the minimum amount of material or time that somebody needs to have for you guys to be have interest in them? Because, you know, there's a lot of comedians, especially in L.A. or in New York, L.A. more than New York. But it's building five minutes is hard because you only maybe get two minutes or seven minutes. If you're lucky, or five minutes on a show. You don't usually you're not getting more than that. So building outside of that five minutes, you're kind of it takes a long time to progress that way unless you're running your own shows, hosting your own show, stuff like that. So what's the minimum amount of time that you're looking for? I mean, I think that if you can come up with a good quality 15 to 20 minute set where like there's no awkward silence, obviously there's going to be some room for like some crowd engagement, some improv, all that stuff. But I think that if you can get up, get up there for a good 15, 20 minutes, it's going to leave room for us to like build around your show, whether that's like supplying you with a local opener, you know, doing like fan engagement afterwards to fill up that extra slot, or we can package you something that we've found really successful so far has been packaging comedians together. And we just ask for like a you know, we usually do three comedians and we just ask for like a 25 minute set. Um, and then at the end, they kind of all come together and improv. So if you can give me a good 15 to 20 minutes with some room for some improv and some crowd engagement, I, I'm usually pretty impressed. Jared, same thing for you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. 15, 20 minutes. If you can hold that over and make me laugh, we got it. <laughs> you would be surprised at how often in LA that doesn't happen, that there's that if you get that the guy who gets 10 minutes sometimes can only really fill seven of those minutes and the rest oh, of wow. it is very awkward crowd engagement. <laughs> right. Okay, well, that's weird. But that's, that's good to know. I mean, a lot of comedians, uh, I always say your first five minutes is, is the hardest, right? Once you can build that first five minute set after that, it's just repeating that process over and over again and working that five. So you can have a tight five, tight 10, tight 15, you know, you just build five minutes at a time, especially in LA where that's really what you can build in a, in a month is, you know, three to five minutes every month. And that's because you should be writing constantly, should be getting up constantly working on new material. So I know how difficult that is. Is there any big things that, you're always looking for or that comedians should be thinking about when they're going through this process. Um, because our goal, right. We're all, we all want to be famous, right? That's the whole thing. Every comedian you probably run into is like, I'm going to be the next whatever. And they give you somebody's name. Um, 
is there something, is there a specific spark or specific charm or specific thing that you're looking for that you know this person has what I'm looking for? Like, is there that thing? And can you identify that? I think for me, the thing is, is like having an identity, like coming in and I actually don't like it when people say I'm going to be the next whoever. I want you to be the first you. And I think that if people come in with like a very strong sense of self-awareness and are willing to, I like people to be self-aware and I like them to be willing to do the work because I can sit here and pitch you till I'm blue in the face, but unless you have something for me to pitch, it's no good. Um, and I want people to find their own sense because I think that so many of the greats, like your Jerry Seinfelds, your Ellens, you know, your, you know, your legendary comedians, Gilda Radner, you know, stuff like that. They were them and they're legendary because they knew who they were. Yeah. And so if you come in with a bunch of like, if you don't know who you are or what you're willing to do, we don't need to have a conversation. Like we can keep tabs until you kind of develop that a little bit more. Like what makes you special? There's something that makes everyone special, you know? And I would say everyone on our roster, there's something that makes them really special. Like we were talking about Henry Cho before this started, like, you know, he took, you know, being um, an Asian American growing up in the South, like he took that and really ran with his life experiences. I mean, Jeannie Robertson has made, she is in her late seventies touring the world. You know what I'm saying? Like you don't see that often and she's doing several shows a year and not just, but she's selling them out too. Uh, Like she found what made her unique. She took her background and her ability to be a great humorist and capitalized on it. So um, yeah, I think that that's really important that you have your own identity. Jared. Absolutely, yeah. And um, absolutely, I love my comedians. I have like their, they know who they are, what they're looking for. Um, the other thing for me is going to be like their background, their work ethic. Um, I'm really big on that work ethic, definitely. Like, I like to see what you've done. How hard are you going to work? How much you, have you put into this already? You know, how much am I going to have to do work for you? Um, so that's really big with me is work ethic. And then also delivery, you know, like the ability to take everyday mundane things and deliver it in such a hilarious way or say it so differently as someone else that makes them laugh. That's what I look for also. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for being here. Is there anything that you want to leave comedians with who are going to be watching this and listening to this? Because they're, they're going to be writing down every single word you said, by the way. They're just going to be like, oh, I needed all this information. Because <laughs> you don't get um, yeah, I just want to say that, I mean, aside from this, I'd like to talk to you about doing your podcast live, but we'll get into that later. (laughs) We can talk about that later. Um, I just think that the big takeaway is, and my boss has like a really good quote and it's kind of his model for why he does what he does. But he said that like laughter is the hand on God's shoulder in a troubled world. And I think that that's a really important quote. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that it's a really important quote because I think that I think people need to remember when you're, when you have the gift of being able to be funny, not everyone has that gift. Um, And I think that if that's your gift, that's your passion, do it for the guy who is on the brink of divorce and gets to go out for a night and spend $20 on a ticket to like laugh for two hours and forget about his problem. Do it for, you know, the young female who's feeling depressed and hopeless. And again, spent $20 needing to hear something that's just gonna make her laugh and by making people laugh you may change their outlook on whatever's going on in their life but your show it should be 75 minutes worth of bringing joy to people's lives okay absolutely 
All right. Thank you guys so much. That's, and that's the thing is we, as comedians, uh, a lot of times we get self-involved. It's terrible that that happens. Um, but one of those things is I always try to think about everybody spent money to get here. They have to two drink or two item minimum. And I want to make this the best night ever. Um, and sadly, my first year of comedy was me strutting the stage. Like I was Chris Rock because that was my influence growing up. I, I love Chris <laughs> Rock. And so I didn't even know I was doing that. And someone had to call me out and say, Hey, uh, you're a little aggressive on stage, but that's Chris Rock's style, right? That's not my style, but I emulated that. And so then I had to realize, Oh, I'm making people, they laugh, but it might be a little awkward for them as well. Like, Oh, yeah. this guy's a little intimidating. So that's, that's a good thing to remember that we're there to entertain and people paid a lot of money to come see us. So we should work as hard as we can. So thank you guys so much for taking your time and I appreciate this and thanks. So if you guys love that interview and you want more interviews, you want more stuff for me to talk about, subscribe, like, leave some comments, questions. Maybe there's some more questions that I can ask them. Um, I can ask managers, agents, all kinds of people. Tell me what you're looking for, what kind of information you want, and I will go find it for you. All right. Thank you guys so much. Subscribe. Have a great one. Bye. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.